Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. So, Lord Jesus, we pray now that as we uh, come to you with this question, what what do we do when you say no? Uh, We pray that you would do what you've done down through the ages for honest seekers, that you would open our eyes, that we would see wonderful things from your word, and that you would open our minds that we may understand, and that it all may result in us trusting you even more. And we thank you for these things. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Well, we are uh, today concluding uh, at least the final uh, sermon in this 40 days of prayer uh, series. We're going to continue and focus a little bit on prayer the next couple of Sundays. But um, we ha- you have, it's not the end of the campaign. You have one more life group session. And in that life group session, in the video teaching that I'm going to do, I'm going to be teaching on the topic, uh, why doesn't God always answer the first time I pray? Now, if you've got a question, uh, got that question, then don't miss your life group session. And um, hopefully that'll be helpful. So let's get to work today on the, the big question. When God says no, when we're praying, when God says no, what do we uh, do? For, you know, many times in the Bible, God uh, promises to answer our prayers. Many times. I mean, one of the most uh, well-known examples is found in the book of Jeremiah, uh, the Old Testament prophet's writings inspired by God's Spirit. Chapter 33, verse 3, it's going to be on the screen. The first part of that verse says, God says, call to me and I will answer you. That's pretty clear, right? Call to me and I will answer you. You see, uh, understand, and we've been touching on this uh, all across these past six weeks, and that is this truth. God always answers prayers. He answers every prayer. Now, he doesn't always answer with the answer that we would like. But he answers every prayer. Uh, The Bible, sometimes he says no. And uh, that is an answer. Now, the Bible's full of examples of when God said no to men and women of great faith. If you'll go to the book of Hebrews uh, this afternoon, go over to chapter 11, you'll see what in in, in, uh, Christian world is known as the the hall of faith. It's It's a chapter about faith and men and women are examples of great, great faith. And in that very chapter, it says, and to many of them, God said no. But they still had faith. He said, no. Even the Lord Jesus, in one of his most famous prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane, God said, no. He said, no. And so um, uh, that can be confusing, can't it? And frustrating, even angering to us at times. Well, I, I, I want to touch on this today. And I want to start by um, saying there, there are some obvious reasons that God does not answer every prayer with a yes. And I want to give you three of those. You can jot them down really quickly. Just obvious reasons why he doesn't say yes to every prayer request. And here's the first one. Some prayers conflict with other prayers. Some prayers conflict with other prayers. For example, last night, the entire state of 
Louisiana was praying one prayer and the entire state of Alabama was praying another one. Well, they were conflicting there. And so uh, you say, well, who was he for? I think he was probably checking out Notre Dame. I hate to admit it, but maybe he was over there. Uh, But uh, those prayers conflict. Now, one that's a little more serious uh, that, that could possibly happen. Sometimes imagine on a Sunday evening before going back to school on Monday, uh, in, in the wintertime in January, a little boy who hasn't done his homework is praying for a snow day. And his father at the same time is praying for, for, for good weather so he can go to work and earn some money to put food on the table. Conflicting prayers. God will does not say yes uh, for the obvious reason to every prayer because sometimes prayers of people are in conflict with one another. Got it? That's an obvious reason. Now, here's a second one. Um, some prayers would require God to override or take away the free will of a person. He will not do that. He will not do that. The, in the book of Genesis, it says that all human beings are created in the image of God. Now, that means a lot of things, uh, but one of the, and one of the things it means is that God created human beings with volition, will, the ability to choose, make choice. And uh, God will not violate that. How many of you, uh, how many, is it, well, first of all, is it obvious to you that it is God's will that people be saved, that people be redeemed, that people be forgiven, that people uh, get to be in the family of God. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes, right there in the Bible. He says it's God's, it's God's desire that all men um, repent and come to a knowledge of the truth, that all men be saved. How many of you have a, a list of people, you believers, you Christians already, how many of you have a list of people that you know and love and care about that you are praying will repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus and surrender to Him as Lord of their life? Anybody got a list like that? I got a long list of people I'm praying for for years. Some of those people have not been saved yet, have they? So, well, Pastor, isn't it God's will that people be saved? Yes. Well, why wouldn't He answer that prayer? It's because He will not make them be saved. You can refuse him, and some people do. It's terrible. But he will not violate. So sometimes God does not answer yes because he will not override someone's free will. Now, he can be incredibly persuasive, but he will not override free will. Third obvious reason that God does not always answer with a yes is this, because we aren't meant to live on earth forever. Most of the prayer requests that we receive from people in our worship services each week are prayers for a sick person to get well and not die. That's the, that's the vast majority. I, I, I'm, I've got some people right now on my list that I'm praying that they will, uh, they will uh, they're sick. I'm praying that they will get well and not die. Any of you got somebody on that request? Sure, sure. And, um, but the Bible says we are not meant to live on this earth forever. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, uh, the Bible says it is appointed for people to die. It is appointed for people to die. And I'm looking at the faces of some of you who are in great grief right now because they're, the death of loved ones are sick, and I'm sorry. I've lost people too, and I, and I wanted them to live and not die. But, not, but people are going to die. It's a reality uh, of life, and sometimes it's their time. And uh, we're not going to live, you are going to live forever, just not here. Just not here. And so there are some, there's just a few obvious reasons God does not always answer um, 
with a yes. But now, there are those times when you have a legitimate request. You can find nothing wrong with the request. It doesn't seem to be out of the will and the ways of God according to the Scriptures. Your motive is right. You, for the right reasons, you do not get a, a yes. And that is a great test of your faith, is it not? It's a great test of our faith. It certainly is. So you might be saying, well, Pastor, what do I do when God says no? Help me understand that. It's hard for me to... Some of you would say it's hard for me to trust God sometimes because He's not answered with a yes. Well, let me encourage you. You can trust God when He says no to your request just by learning and understanding just three, only three of the many reasons that God says no. And I'm going to teach you those three this this morning. Now, there may be a thousand reasons that God says no to your request or to my request. I just want to talk about three of those, three of the important ones uh, this morning. And so here we go. Grab your note sheet and grab a pen uh, and, and we're going to look at them. Sometimes God says no, number one, when He has a bigger perspective. He has a bigger perspective. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 on the screen. He knows about everyone everywhere. Amazing. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from Him to whom we must explain all that we have done. God sees what we cannot see. Sometimes God does not answer or the yes does not answer a prayer the way that I want him to answer it or the way that you would want him because he sees what we don't and cannot see. He has a bigger perspective. Here's what we can't see. We cannot see the unintended consequences of our request. We're not that big. We're not that smart. We're not that wise. We cannot see down the road the unintended outcomes of a yes to the request that we have been prayed. He knows, he knows how my decision and your decision, if it was a yes, he knows how it would affect my children. He knows how it would affect my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. He knows how it would affect my neighbor and my neighborhood and my city and my country and this world. He knows how it would affect my fellow man. He knows how it would affect the future um, uh, events in this world. And he knows this is not going to turn out good. He sees it. I don't. We cannot. So sometimes God says no when He uh, has a bigger, a larger perspective. Got it? Okay, and also sometimes God says no when He has a better plan. When He has a better plan. Often God desires to fulfill our request, our desire, and, and, and yet in His infinite wisdom He has a better way of doing it than we uh, wished. God himself said in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, listen to this. This plan of mine is not what you would work out. He said, I have a plan. You wouldn't do it this way, but I'm going to. It wouldn't work out. You wouldn't work it out this way. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. Sometimes God says, good request, I have a way better plan, a better way to answer it. Now, my problem is that I want God not only to answer my prayer, I want Him to do it the way I want Him to do it. Don't you? I mean, that's all we know is what we know, right? I mean, how could we be wrong? 
pure, you know, pure of heart, I got it. This, do, this would be great, God. Let's do it this way. I want him to do it the way I want him to do it. But God always desires to do it the very best way. The very best way. And looking back, I feel like Garth Brooks. Thank God for unanswered prayers. And, um, I mean, any of you who have ever attended a high school reunion know what we're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, and it's not because of somebody you saw. It's because who saw you and who saw me. And it's, oh, thank God. <laughs> we did. Woo! Thank God. You know, and we, all, we all know that. But now, seriously, uh, I do, God, I'm, I'm very grateful that God has said no to some of my prayers. Let me tell you a quick story. In 1985... I was serving as one of the associate pastors at uh, our sister church, actually our sponsoring church, our mother church of Dogwood Church, the New Hope Baptist Church in Fayetteville. I love that church. And I had a great time there as one of the associate pastors. And I had a great, great, great desire to be a lead pastor. Uh, And so um, about that time, Allison and I got a call from a, a church in North Georgia and we began, they wanted to talk with us about becoming the lead pastor. And we began prayerful interviews with them over several months. And they were wonderful people and a wonderful congregation in a wonderful town. And we, I really, really wanted to go be the pastor of that church, be the lead pastor of that church. And they really wanted us to come. And so we got to the point where they officially extended an invitation. Will you and Allison come and will you serve as our lead pastor in this church? And we were so excited and they were so excited. And God said, no. A long story about how that no came. He said, no. I was so discouraged. I was so sad. I was so disappointed, I, 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 but God had a better plan. You see, if we had gone to that church, we would have never come here 32 years ago and planted Dogwood Church. Never would have happened. Never would have happened. God had a way better plan, a way better plan, and I thank Him for it. Sometimes God says no when He has a bigger perspective. Sometimes God says uh, no, he doesn't answer with a yes because he has a better way, a better plan. And then sometimes also God answers with a no when he has a greater purpose. Jot that down. Number three, when he has a greater purpose. For God always acts for your good and out of love for you. Now, don't hide your plane over that. God always acts for your good and he always acts out of love for you. And he has a greater purpose for you. And he will, so greater purpose that he will never even let your honest prayer to him hinder your, his purpose for your life. Even when you're praying to he won't let your prayers get in the way of his purpose uh, for your life. The psalmist said in Psalm 57 verse 2, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He is going to fulfill his purpose for you. Be encouraged. You see, everything that God allows into your life, he does so with a purpose, including your problems and including unanswered prayers or a no answer. Many of you are in a tough time right now. 
You're in a time, you are in a tougher time than you ever imagined you would be in in your life. Well, listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. God says, the purpose of these troubles is to test your faith as fire tests how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold. So anytime you feel discouraged, remind yourself, God has a greater purpose for me. He's not wasting this. He is not wasting this. Now, there, there are some things that you and I, we will never be able to be content in this life. We will never be able to be secure in this life, joy-filled in this life, unless we understand uh, three important things, unless we accept as true what God says, three important facts in this life. And here they are. First of all, jot this down. There are some things we will not understand until heaven. There are some things we are not going to understand until heaven. Now, look at what God says, uh, God's Word says in Deuteronomy chapter 29. There are some things the Lord our God has kept secret. That means uh, He will not reveal them to us. We're not going to get the answer here. But there are some things He, has, he lets us know. Now, so there, usually there's more things we can know and understand than we do. It's not because we are thinking too hard and too deeply and too clearly and, and thinking. It's not that we are thinking well and praying well and pursuing uh, truth and understanding and the wisdom of God too much. It's because usually we, we're, we, most of the time we are mushy and, and foggy and lazy in our thinking and pursuing of God. That's our problem most of the time. So there's much more that we can understand than we usually pursue. Thank God we got people like Dave Richardson that challenges us all the time to keep thinking about stuff and helping us see. And uh, so that's not usually our problem. Just know, but not everything are we going to understand until heaven. Um, you need to get a grip on that because he's God, we're not. He understands it all, we don't yet. Second, to be happy in this life, there are some things that will never change until heaven. Some things are not going to change for example, if I lose my left hand in an accident, it's not going to grow back in this life. I don't care how long you pray or how many of you pray for me, it's not going to grow back. That's not going to change until, until heaven. There are permanent problems happening in this world because we live in a broken world, broken by the sin of humanity, the Bible says. Now, again, I've told you before, uh, we all know that human life is not what it should be, Right? Right? I mean, human life is not what it should be. We, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Everyone's aware of that. Um, and, and everybody has to have a story as to why that is so. One of the reasons, not the only reason, I have many, many reasons I'm a follower of Jesus, but one of the reasons that I'm a follower of Jesus is because His explanation in the Bible for why human life is not as it should be is the one that makes the most sense to me. And he says it, it is the result of human sin. It has even affected how creation works. Why are there natural disasters? It's because, take it up with our great-great-grandfather Adam. It wrenched creation, the Bible says. Things aren't working right. And so there's some things, we have problems that are permanent in this world. And uh, they're not going to change until heaven, no matter how much you pray. Listen to this. God says, I'm not taking it away. You are in a broken world. I want you to learn to trust me in it. You can learn to trust me in 
this broken world. And I do. I'm, I'm, I'm living proof. I trust him in this broken world. And so there's some things we're not going to understand till heaven. There's some things that are not going to change until heaven. And one more thing that you and I must learn to be fulfilled in this life, and that's this. Sometimes our suffering is for the benefit of other people. Sometimes your suffering is for the benefit of others. It's called, the the Christian theologians call it redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering. You see, even in our own church, many of the ministries in our church exist because some people in our church prayed and God uh, did not answer with a yes. He answered with a no. For example, we have people in our church who prayed for a, a loved one to live and not die, but they died anyway. And so they started a, a ministry called Grief Share to help other people grieve the way uh, Christ helps us and, and live life uh, in, in fullness even though a loved one has died. Uh, there are people in our church who prayed for a child and they did not have one, so they started an adoption ministry. There are people in our church who prayed for instant healing from addiction to drugs and alcohol, but they didn't get instant healing, and so they got involved with and started ministries of recovery like Celebrate Recovery. Uh, you see, sometimes our suffering uh, is for the benefit of others. And uh, God will not waste it. He will not waste it. God wants to take your greatest pain, and He wants to take my greatest pain, and He wants to use it not only for my benefit, but, the, but for the benefit of humanity, all of humanity. We are, God is for human flourishing in this world, and He knows the best way to bring it about. And uh, sometimes that is the case. So the greatest example of this is his own son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He didn't die for himself. He suffered and died on the cross for the benefit of others, you and me, for our salvation. His suffering was redemptive. It was for the benefit of us out of, out of love. You say, so, Pastor, okay, I got it. I see how sometimes God would say, no, he won't answer with a yes always. What do I do when that happens? Here we go. Here we go. Get ready. First of all, jot this down. When God says no, trust in His goodness. Trust in His goodness. Trust in His goodness. Trust in the goodness of God. Psalm 25 verse 10 says, All the ways of the Lord are loving. All the ways of the Lord are loving. He has your best interest at heart. He always loves you. He always acts in your best interest. And He is always good all the time. In Him is light and there is no darkness at all. The better you get to know Him, the more you trust Him because you'll find He's the most trustworthy being in existence. We trust Him. We trust in His goodness. Now, you have options when hard times come. You can either resist God, fight against Him, get mad, turn your back on Him, make it on your own. You can resent it become bitter and miserable and doubt God's love, how's that working for you? No, you just get more and more miserable. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. Uh, Or you can relax knowing that God has your best interest at heart and loves you. He has. He does. He does. He does. He does. My my friend Ike Rigard, who's preached here many times, says it this way. In a sermon he preached after his wife Cindy died in childbirth for their first child. He stood three weeks later and he said, you know when you suffer, you can either get bitter or you can get better. 
And if you understand and trust God's goodness, you'll get better. You'll get better. Don't run from him. You'll get bitter and angry. And we already have plenty of that. We don't need any more of that. So what should you do when God says no? Trust in his goodness. Second, when you're in pain, pray like Jesus prayed when he was facing the cross. Listen to this, Mark 14, 35 and 36. He, Jesus, went a little farther, fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And here's what he did. Here's how he prayed. He, first of all, affirmed God's power. You can do anything. All things are possible with you. I trust in your power. He asked with passion, and then he accepted God's plan. I, 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 you know, I may be getting this wrong. If there's any other way, but no, I want, ultimately, I want what you want because you know what is, is best. And so when you're in pain, you pray the way Jesus prayed, and, you, and he says, no, you trust in the goodness of God. And number three, finally, uh, expect God to give you his grace to handle the answer. Now, grace can be defined a lot of ways. Here's one I like. Grace is God's power to handle pain and do what's right anyway. To handle pain, to handle suffering, to handle grief, to handle disappointment, and follow Him anyway. Grace to live through uh, the difficulty. Even the Apostle Paul didn't get an answer to his prayers. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, we find him uh, responding to um, a, a prayer uh, to God's answer where Paul apparently had a physical ailment. Most, most scholars believe it was a physical ailment. And it, was, must have been, it must have been a tough one. And he says here, I pray three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so Paul says, so now I, glad, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's grace is sufficient. So let me see your eyes. Here we go. Remember, when God answers with a no, when he does not answer with a yes, it is because he has a bigger perspective and or a better plan and or a greater purpose. A greater purpose. Psalm 9 verse 10 says this. Take a look at it. Those who know you, Lord, will trust you. I just take, I really, I just should have just read that verse and we'd have been out of here earlier. <laughs> Those who know you, Lord, will trust you. The better you get to know God, the God of the Bible, his name is Jesus, the more you will trust him. You'll trust him. Because he, as you get to know him as he really is, he's the most trustworthy being in the universe. You do not abandon anyone who comes to you. Now, some of you are not yet believers in Christ and you're very interested and you're very close. And so you might be asking right now, well, Pastor Keith, what must I do? What must I do to know the Lord and trust him like you've been describing? Well, it all begins by becoming a Christian. And let me explain that. In the Lord Jesus, God the Father did something for you and for me that we could not do for ourselves. Uh, Jesus took on flesh. God took on flesh became a man, called him Jesus. God 
in flesh on this earth. He came to earth to show us who he was and what he was like and also to live a perfect sinless life. And yet at the end of his life, he went to the cross, was crucified in our place because of our sin and took the burden of all of our sin upon himself, on his own body. And while he was there, he made appropriate payment for our sin, satisfying his very own demands of justice so that you wouldn't have to, so that I would not have to. And then after he died, three days later, he rose from the dead to prove that he was who he said he was and that he had the power to do that very thing, to provide atonement and forgiveness and redemption for moral and spiritual foul-ups just like you and me. And he made it available to you and me, to anyone who would say, I, I need to turn from my sin and trust in you. Lord Jesus, I, don't only, I not only believe it so, but I need you. And I'm asking you to apply to me personally what you accomplished when you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Now, some of you are ready to do that. Some of you are ready to say, I get it. And I need him. And I'm willing now to turn from my sin place my faith in Jesus and surrender to him as Lord of my life. And if you do so, you're about to be transformed by the amazing grace of God, forgiven of your sin, adopted as his child into his family, given his Holy Spirit, uh, be able to uh, live under his care and supervision and provision in this life and spend eternity with him in heaven in the next one. And if you're ready to do that, Pray with me. We're going to pray all across this room. Just pray with me. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. This is, again, as I say each week, this is, there's no, these are not magic words. God's more concerned with the attitude of your heart than He is the words of your mouth. But if this expresses the attitude of your heart, then you pray to Him after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sin and giving me eternal life. Now, take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And Lord, I thank you for hearing these prayers. Now, there's one more thing, and you can look at me now. Once we repent of our sin and place our faith in Jesus, He commands us to go public with Him, uh, to confess Him before uh, men. It, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. And Jesus even instituted the way that He prefers for us uh, to do this. It's called... Uh, Christian baptism, believer's baptism. First we believe in Him, then we go we declare it publicly by being baptized. And we're prepared to help you celebrate your Christian baptism uh, this morning. As soon as you leave this service, if you will leave these uh, doors to my right and your left, go across the lobby, out onto the patio and turn to the right, you'll find yourself at our outdoor baptism facility. The men and women on our baptism team are already there waiting for you. We have everything you need to, to be baptized. We have a change of clothes. We have uh, uh, towels. Uh, we have people there to assist you. And people do this every week. Now, uh, it's a little cool this week. 
out there, a little cooler, but that's okay. We've got a baptistry with heated. Uh, the good news is we've got a heated uh, baptistry out there. The bad news is, is that the, the, uh, the heater turned off this morning. And it's, it's just a little cooler than usual, but you can do this. But, but it's, it's, not as, it's not anything like this. See, and it's, it's not, we didn't have to cut through the ice in a river in Siberia for you to be baptized, okay? So, hey, if our brother in Siberia can do this, just ease on out there in the sunshine and go public with your faith in Christ. Got it? Got it? Okay, good, good. And um, so, let me pray for you. Lord, we're grateful that you've made a way for us. And we're grateful that um, when you answer our prayers with a no, we can trust in your goodness. We can trust in you. And we give you thanks for these things. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.